Lord have mercy, that'll wear you out, won't it, Brother Aaron? <laughs> that'll wear you out, the barn burner, amen. Praise God. Woo, I tell you, we could use some of that, amen. That'll wake some folk up. Might start replaying that toward the end of the service here. Uh, I, I just, I want to say thank you uh, for letting us have another week. Some of you don't know it, but I, I'm not a real spiritual person. And uh, Well, some of you do know it, I guess. All right. Well, uh, 19 years ago, uh, Becky and I were all set up to go to Parker, Colorado, start a new church. And on the way home from Parker, Colorado, this church called me. We were in our motorhome coming home. And I said, oh, no, we're, we're going to Parker, Colorado. We already have a, a place set up. I had a guy that owned a car lot said, I'm going to pay you salary for five years. You don't have to come to work or nothing. I just want to be a part of this new church. So we were all excited. And on the way home, this church, who had just run off their last pastor and had split a couple of times, <laughs> a wonderful opportunity, they said, we want you to come. And I said, oh, no, there, there, there's no way. There's no way. Well, to make a long story short, we're here. And, but the carnality of me, oh, oh, the carnality of that is it cost me a trip to Colorado every year. So the last uh, 18 out of 19 years, we've gone to Colorado the first week of February because that's Becky's birthday. And so we've, we've, I've honored that. We've gone one year during the uh, whatever they want to call that thing now, pandemic, whatever. Uh, we didn't go. And uh, I want to just show you how God works miracles. He answered a prayer. Don't quit praying. When you're praying, man, don't quit praying. Because this year, Becky looked at me and she said, you know what? I think we're a little too old for this thin air and high altitude. <laughs> and I said, thank you, Lord. I went to the bathroom, locked the door, and had a little hallelujah meeting there. And, uh, what we do to get through life. You remember a couple of weeks ago, I spoke, misspoke about my wife being on the front row and uh, that cost me a new couch. <laughs> She's as carnal as I am, I guarantee you. Praise the Lord. Hey, I'm so glad to be back here and be with you. Turn, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. As we think this morning, we're going through a series, Overcoming Life's Obstacles. I appreciate Brother Case preaching the early service for us this morning and and uh, Brother Nathan has preached over at Mason Creek, and I get to close it out here. And I appreciate them so much. I want to tell you, we've got two wonderful preachers of the Word of God on this staff right here. And they do a tremendous job, and I appreciate them very much. We think this morning about thinking proper in a negative world. Thinking proper in a negative world. I also want to recognize Miss Dorothy. Miss Dorothy, right there, wave your hand, Sherry. Ms. Dorothy is over from uh, 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 Arabella, and they've shut down our service today for the Super Bowl. So she decided she'd come on to church and have the Super Bowl right here. Amen? We appreciate that. Some others in Arabella I know are watching, and, uh, man, I'd love to be there. If you want me there, just give me a call. We'll find somewhere to meet. But anyway, we, we won't be meeting today, I guess, according to the plans. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. If you would stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, beginning in verse uh, 8, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, 
Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace shall be with you. Father, thank you this morning. How we've been blessed uh, in the song service. Lord, just like you bless us every week. It's week after week. God, just to come into your house and praise you and lift up our voices to you and sing and pray and testify and know that you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. Knowing that in this world that is so improper, this world that is so negative, this world that is so evil, that you've prepared a place for your church, for your saints. And I pray this morning, there are those sitting in these seats today that unless they change their way of thinking and unless they invite you into their heart and life to save their soul and be born again, God, they're going to miss all of that. So I pray today your Holy Spirit would have freedom in this place. God, I pray as we come upon that invitation, Lord, let nobody be moving. Let nobody be distracted. God, may nothing happen except the things that your Holy Spirit is working in right now. And we'll praise you. We're going to thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me just encourage you. I don't, I'm not being uh, rude or improper or hateful, but the most important time of this whole service is not the praise, and it's really not the message. The most important time of this entire service, what we gear up all week for, what we pray for all week for, is the invitation. And if you're moving around, you say, well, I'm doing it real quiet. Yeah, and all the lost people are following you while you're doing it real quiet. I'm just asking you, I know some of you need to leave early. I've seen you drive and you really need to get on out of here before the, uh, before the parking clears. I know that. But there's plenty of time after the invitation for you to slip out then. Once the invitation's over, if you don't want to hear the announcements, go on, go home. But during that invitation, have you ever thought maybe the reason we're not seeing more people saved and more people come to Jesus is because we distract them ourselves? So I'm just asking you, during that invitation time, if you don't have anything else to do, please bow your knees and pray for lost people that are in this service. Because I, I'm looking, I, I don't know everybody here, don't know anywhere near everybody here. But I'm looking at nine or ten that I know need Jesus right now. They need him right now. And it's so easy to be distracted. So I'm going to ask you, please, just, let, let's just settle down. You're going to be here till we say amen in the invitation, and then you can scat and go home. We'll be home in time for the Super Bowl. Don't worry about it. Uh, it don't start till 5.30 or 6.30, something like that. So we'll be home, all right? Thank you again for that. God, I pray this morning that you will let everyone that heard what I just said not be upset, not be angry, but just say, thank you, Lord. Maybe I've not, maybe I've not been as involved in the invitation as I should be. Maybe I've been so gloriously waving my hands and shouting and praising the Lord. And maybe you just need to remind me that there are lost people all around us. There are people who are saved that need your touch. And what I'm asking you, uh, just help us to receive this, that it'll be a glorious thing in the Lord. We'll leave this place saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Verse 6 of chapter 4, we have a divine command. And that commandment is not to worry. 
It's to get rid of anxious, uh, fearful thoughts. And verse 8 tells us that we'll never overcome anxiety unless we reprogram this thing that up here between our ears called a brain. We've got to reprogram our brain. Uh, the, the mind is the gateway to our heart and our soul. And so what we put in our mind is what ends up being in our heart and our soul. So I want you to think just for two points this morning, and we'll be quick. Teach us something, Lord, about our thoughts this morning. About our thoughts. Well, what are we thinking about? Teach us, Lord, about our thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, what you think in your heart is what you're going to be. And Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world. In other words, don't let the world put you into their mold. And the world is trying to put you into their mold if you haven't figured that out yet. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your minds, which is in Christ Jesus. The grace of God uses our minds to transform our heart and our soul. Because what you think determines whether you're going to live in victory or whether you're going to live in defeat. Some of you this morning living in defeat. You know why? Because you, in your mind, you've already been defeated. In your mind, there's no need of going on. In your mind, it's, it's all over with. But he says, he's speaking here in verse 8 to the brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a word to the church. And he tells us this morning, first of all, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. How, how, do, you, how do you live this way? Well, you think on the things that are true. Think on the things that are true, that are real that are as opposed to the things that are false. And I'm thinking to throw a grenade right out in the middle of this thing here. I'm going to tell you, this is going to be shocking. If you don't hear anything else in the whole service, gear in right now and hear this. Okay, you ready? Hold on to your seats. Find your seat belts. What you hear and see on social media is not always the truth. <laughs> All right, I've thrown it out there. It's not always, do you remember the days of Walter Concrete when everybody, the news, you know, when he said it, brother, it was true. Amen. Those days aren't here anymore. They're long gone. They're long gone. He, 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 you can't believe everything you see or read. But I want to tell you, I stand before you this morning with an open Bible and telling you it's genuine. When he says whatsoever things are true, just go ahead and lift up your Bible and say, Lord, this is true. This is, is real. It's true. And he said, I want you to fill your mind with what is true. The fear and the anxiety. Uh, it's not going to be enough to just get it out of your life. You've got to replace it with something else. If you want to get rid of the fear and the anxiety and the worry and all the dread and everything, that's great. But when you clean up your life and get rid of that, you're going to have a big void there unless you fill it up with truth. And the truth is the word of God. He said, whatsoever. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, Jesus is the way, the only way. Jesus also said in John 12, the truth shall set you free. The thing that you need to set you free this morning is to understand the truth in your mind and let it sift down into your soul and your heart. And you'll begin to understand the truth. The truth is that Jesus was born of a virgin. He was walked on this earth. He died on the cross. Listen to me now. Oh, a lot of people get this mixed up. He died on the cross not as a martyr. He died on the cross as a savior. If he had died a martyr, there's nothing nobody could have done. He died a savior. He could have called 10,000 angels. 
He could have wiped everybody out. It hadn't got anything to do with him being a martyr. He's not our martyr today. Bless God, he's our Savior and our Lord. And he borrowed a tomb. The reason he borrowed it, he only needed it three days. Why would he want to buy one? He borrowed it. And on the third day, he arose. And he lives today. That's truth right there. Hey, it's not a fairy tale. It's not something for you to lean on and have crutches. It's not a conspiracy. Jesus Christ conquered death, hell, and the grave. Uh, wow. One of these days. Woo, have mercy. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, and time shall be no more. Whoa, my soul, have mercy. Now, he just almost got us shouting here a while ago. Uh, one of these days, he's coming back for us. But in the meantime, he left us with a problem. And that problem is the devil. I wish I had the right word to explain him. He's a devil. He left us with a problem. But he also left us with a praise. And a promise. The promise is upon this church I'll build. Upon this rock I'll build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You say, preacher, aren't you scared today? Don't you see? I see things going around. There's immorality on every hand. You can't even go in an airport. You see people ain't got enough clothes on to bridle a mule, and it's zero degrees out there, and they're walking around like that, and you're thinking, where'd you come from? What planet did you get off of? I see it on that television when you clip on any channel. I don't care what channel. I told Becky the other day, I said, babe, even your Hallmark thing's getting kind of risque. Huh? I mean, every glory you look, you say, preacher, aren't you scared? Or aren't you, aren't you worried about the evil that's all around us, the despair, the, the open sex with young people, this generation that we live in today? Why aren't you scared? Because I got the truth in my brain, and it sifted down into my heart, and it sifted down into my soul, and I know I'm a child of the king. I'm not scared. What if they kill you? <laughs> to be absent in his body is to be present with the Lord. I want to tell you something this morning. I don't want to make you mad, but I ain't burying no spam in my backyard. And I ain't eating potted meat either. And I ain't saving ammunition for my bazooka and my cannon because I know whom I have believed. And I know he's able to keep me until the day that he calls me home. You say, I, 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 I don't think uh, that we should not be prepared. I, I know we should be prepared and all of that. But if you're not careful, you'll get your mind on so much of being prepared that you've forgotten who the Lord is. He's the one that says, I'll take care of you. He's the one. You, you, you do know the biggest bomb the devil could throw at Jesus is death. And Jesus conquered that death. Hey, we're not headed toward victory. We're headed from victory. It's already happened. He said, whatsoever things are true. I don't have I do have a gun. I've got several guns. Don't you try to come in my house. <laughs> I've got several guns. But my theme, my thoughts are not, I just know where the guns are. But I want to tell you one thing. My faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You got to think on what's true. And then secondly, he said, think on what's noble. That's worthy of respect. Worthy of respect. It's a, it's a high thought. And then he said, just. Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are right, 
Could I tell you this morning, young people, I don't care what your teachers tell you, I don't care what you're reading out of some book, there is absolute truth. There is. Yeah, you can say there's not until Jesus comes, and you'll be wrong then. I'm telling you there is absolute truth, and there is absolute wrong. That's in the Word of God. You say, well, people don't want to hear that today. That's all right. God sets the standard in His Word. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want anybody to leave this church. My soul, we, we, we've got a staff. We need to be paid every week. I don't want anybody to leave here. I want you to be happy and enjoy it. But when you get tired of hearing the truth, you can just hit the door. Because the truth is going to be preached here. Not only is it going to be preached here, the truth is going to be taught here in the Sunday school life group. Amen? Except the night we have life group connect. Then we're going to you know, do whatever. But no, we're going to teach truth. And then he said, whatsoever is just, uh, and then whatsoever is pure. Pure means without contamination. Without contamination. I was thinking this morning early as I was just finishing this up, we, we take so for granted to just go in there and turn a spigot on and drink water. When almost three-fourths of this world cannot do that. You either got to boil it and then, I, I don't know, I really wonder. It's like these swimming pools. My pool right now is so dark you can't even see the bottom of it. And I'll call somebody along about April, say, hey, come clean my pool up. And my mind is, you ought to get all that junk out of here. They don't do that. They put a little chemicals in there and they use that same water that was in there. I know what that water looked like last month. And it's kind of hard for me to get in that thing, thinking, my goodness, I know what it looked like last month. It looks good now. Without contamination. Pure, moral purity. Listen to me, your mind is not a garbage can. When you put garbage in your mind and you pollute your mind with garbage and then you think, man, I, I can't get ahead, I can't seem to win, no wonder you're living a life of failure because you're putting garbage in your heart and life. We used to call that stinking thinking. <laughs> then he said, what sort of things are lovely? Gracious. Isn't our Lord gracious, <laughs> kind, loving, inspiring? And then he said, of a good report. You think on the things of a good report. Oh, Lord, help us to get our mind off the bad reports. My goodness, I forgot, I don't know which news channel. It may be NBC, I don't know. They're all, anyway. Somebody's just started a new news hour. Now, it's only an hour because they can't carry it on very long because it would just ruin everything. But it's, it's an hour of good news. Anybody heard of that or seen that? It's an hour of good news. I don't remember where I saw it or what it is. I'm sure it's late at night or early in the morning, three o'clock in the morning. But, you know, an hour of just good news. Can you imagine turning on the television and hearing some good news instead of some bad news? I mean, even the good news that we hear is twisted around and it sounds bad. He said, whatever things are of good report. Then he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to meditate on these things. That word meditate, it, it means dwell. It means to think. Uh, it, it, in the uh, uh, Greek, it means to mutter, to over and over and over again, to just think on those things. I remember... The last time I saw Kelly Walsh alive in the hospital there on that Tuesday night, 
we sang that little chorus. Yes, oh yes, I'm a child of the king. And I was there about another 45 minutes. I think I may have already told you this. But if she said it one time, she said it a hundred times. So you could just see her lips moving. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. Hey, maybe we just ought to stop for about 15 minutes and just bow our heads and say, I'm a child of the king. Good grief. What am I worried about? I'm a child of the king. Well, why am I in such worry and anxiety? I'm a child of the king. Anything I need, the king has said, you ask, and I'll give it to you. You seek, you'll find. You knock, and it'll be open to you. Meditate on these things. It's, it's like a cow chewing its cud. Now, a lot of you younger people, and if you've not been a farmer, you don't know what that is. But a cow has more than one stomach. And what they do is they, they chew that up and then they put it in whatever stomach, number one, number two, up to number seven or whatever. I don't know how many they have. And then they, when, when later on, they regurgitate it and then they eat it. It's called cow chewing. You say, what's the principle? Listen to me, young people, don't kiss a cow. That's, that's what the principle is this morning. Don't kiss a cow, all right? They, they regurgitate up and they eat it again. And that's what he's saying about dwell on this. You put it in your mind, and it goes down into your heart. And then all day long, as you put it in your mind, God brings it back up, and you get to all over again, experience it again. Wow, that's what the Word of God's supposed to do. Where are you going to find all these thoughts? Truth, noble. (laughs) He he said in verse 9, you're going to find them. First of all, you've learned. That means it's from the teaching of the Word of God. And then in 9, he said, you've received and heard. That's the promises in the Word of God. And then he said, and then you, in me, you do it. In other words, looking for examples that are doing that. Looking for examples. Paul said, the divine truth I taught you. Now I want to show you how this has changed my life. See, it's not just enough here to say, hey, I've had the divine truth. My, uh-uh, no, no, no. He said, do. Do. If you've had the divine truth, the fruit of your uh, labors ought to be opened as an example that people can see. That's what he says. He said, do it. It's not here just for you. He said, I've taught you the divine truth, and this is how it's changed my life. I was thinking about this uh, the other day as I was getting ready for the sermon. I thought, I was watching something goofy, you know, I don't know what it was even. And I thought, you know what we need? We need some new heroes. The heroes that are being put forth for our children and our young people now, they stink. They're bad heroes. They're about as dumb as they. You think, hmm. I, I, I don't want to get too far into this, but I'm just telling you. Uh, I, I think about all the biblical examples and even the examples in life today. And it's like anybody that's a good hero, you know, they're going to twist it around and make him a bad hero. They're going to find the things that are wrong with him. And you're going to hear about those. I was thinking about uh, as heroes, <clears throat> chapter 12 of uh, Hebrews in the beginning says that these were the heroes of the faith. And it refers to chapter 11, and it lists those heroes. And one of them there is Noah. I thought about Noah. Good grief, what a hero Noah was. 
You say, well, what kind of hero? Well, the Bible says there was a cloud of witnesses, and that God's hall of fame there. And Noah, when you begin to look in, in Hebrews eleven six, the Bible says Noah lived for God. You say, well, that's great. That's wonderful. We're living for God. No, but Noah lived for God when nobody else lived for God. Huh? When there was nobody else, Noah still lived for God. Well, you hear people whining, hey, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. The Christians are in the minority. The Christians have always been in the minority. Noah lived for God when there were no other Christians on the face of the earth. He lived for God when nobody else lived for God. That inspires me. Because I don't find anywhere in here in Hebrews or even back in Genesis where Noah was running around saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I've been preaching 120 years and nobody's ever walked the aisle. I don't know what we're going to do. He never had any of that. He, he lived for God when nobody else would live for God. But secondly, he preached a message nobody else would preach. Hmm. You do not know. Brother Case probably knows some. He'll know more. You don't know how hard it is to try to talk God into what you want to preach instead of God told you what to preach. I'm just telling you, you don't know how hard it is. I'd love to have a homecoming sermon every week. And we just all leave here crying and praising the Lord and ready to go on. And I fought with God for 51 years trying to do that. He preached a message that no one else would preach. You know what message he preached? True salvation. He said, there's only one way that you're going to get saved. This ark, and he didn't say it in those words. We find that out later in the New Testament. This ark represents Jesus Christ. And there's no, uh, undoubtedly, they didn't go by the Longview Fire Department. There's no two exits to it. There's only one. And he said, when that door shuts, that's it. It's a picture of Christ. That ark represented Christ. And, and Noah for 120 years preached that there's only one way that you're going to get to God, and that's to go through that door of that ark. He'd still be preaching today. The only way of escape is the way of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There are no other ways of escape whatsoever. When the door is shut, the door is shut. He preached a message. When that door shut, Jesus said, I am the door. I am the door. I, I want to tell you, that's what I want to do the rest of my life is tell people like a broken record. Standing to the end. I don't care how crazy the world gets. I want to still be saying the same thing. If you'll come to Jesus, he'll deliver you from where you are. The only way that you're going to have eternal life with Jesus in heaven is to come through the door of the cross and come through Jesus. Oh, no, preacher, I've read it of a new way. Oprah's got a new book out. You better buy a hundred of them. They won't be worth 10 cents on that day. I want to be a life that will inspire others. But listen to me. I, don't you want to be that way, too? I know I'm not preaching to all duds here this morning. You, you, you want to be that way, too? You want to be a life that inspires others? Would you listen to me? You can't be a life that inspires others if you're not living a life of inspiration yourself. You've got to be living it yourself in order for you to be a life that will inspire others. He lived for God. He preached the truth when nobody else preached the truth. 
But here's the kicker. <laughs> and it's what I keep going back to. He continued to preach with very little visible results. I hear it all the time. Preach, don't you get tired of preaching? And we go to these pastors' meetings. Nobody comes down the aisle. Nobody wants to come to the altar anymore. We used to have altars. We used to have this. We used to have that. We used... Hey, I'm tired of saying what we used to do. I'd like to get a little dose of Jesus today. Just a little bit of Holy Ghost today. This week at Asbury College up in Kentucky, if any of you have read those reports, they had a regular drive-the-run chapel program. And after chapel Thursday, uh, four, five, six of them, I don't know how many there were, they stayed later just to pray and praise and repent. And man, the crowd grew and the crowd grew. And as of this morning, they're still meeting. They've never shut the meeting down. They're still meeting. And, and the place is cram packed all night through the night, cram packed. You can't even get in the place. I said, Oh, God, do it again. Do it again. Wow. He continued with very little visible results. In fact, the only results we have from him are his wife and his sons and their wives. That's it. It, it, it didn't bother Noah. Oh, I, I can't say that. It had to bother him. Man, when God shows you that you've got a relief, that you've got a, a way of escape from all of the evil that this world's going to be cast into in the lake of fire, and God shows you a way of escape, and, and God shows a preacher that, hey, the only way that you can be saved today is through Jesus Christ, and you're looking at people after people after people that need to be saved, and they say, no, we're not going to be saved, and they walk out of here, don't tell me it don't bother you. It bothers me. It didn't calm him down. You see, all he wanted to do was be faithful. He just wanted to be faithful. All of these promises. I remember just thinking, I was thinking back to some of the things that we've gone through in the last 30 years. I, I, I was chastised so much because, you know, I, just my stance on like the Gulf War and everything. And, and uh, you know, I, I know there are times when you have to have war. I'm just one of these people that though, I'll be honest, I don't want to get real complicated, real political, but I, I'm just one of those guys that if you're going to go to war, go on in there and win the thing. I, I, I'm just, you know, I was raised in a generation that saw our men and women killed and all, and, and, and I don't mind, to, I, I wanted to go myself, but, you know, I wasn't able to. God provided a way out of there. I remember when Y2K came. Oh, my goodness, you young people don't even know what that's about. But in 1999, the scare all over the world. Whew. Well, the computers are not going to receive 2,000. It's all going to be shut down. Everything's going to go to pot. I mean, everything's going to collapse because of Y2K. And, and I remember people chastising me, saying, you're not getting the people ready, blah, blah, blah. Preacher, do you have a generator? No. Have you dug your bunk deep enough? You remember when we were kids in the 60s when they would tell us, now this is how we're going to rehearse getting ready for a nuclear war. Everybody get under your desk. <laughs> you remember, some of you remember that? 
Get down and get your head as low as you can now. Like that's going to stop a nuclear bomb. <laughs> hey, I, I've, I've been criticized on my stand for abortion, and you know me. I, man, I believe in life. I'm against abortion. But people say, well, you're not strong enough against it. Well, the reason I'm not strong enough against it is because that's not what I eat, drink, and sleep every hour of the day. And when you eat, listen, don't get me wrong now. Don't misquote what I'm saying. If all you're thinking about is your little pet peeve that you want to solve, you're going to end up being distracted from the number one thing is think on these things, he said, from Jesus. That's who they're from. I remember there was a time of famine, the Bible said. And in that time of famine, <laughs> God told his servant, Elijah, Go sit out there by the brook. Now, a brook is not a river. A river can flow. I mean, the nature's river is going to flow. Sabine, whatever it is out here, red, whatever. It's going to flow. But when you get by a brook, you have two or three days of no rain and there's no water in the brook. It takes a whole lot more faith to sit by a brook than it does a river. Amen? And then, the, now the reason he's out there to start with He's done a great miracle. Jezebel is mad as rip, and she's determined that she's going to get him and kill him. God says, you go sit by the brook. Have you under, ever under, wondered why God sent the ravens? I mean, God could have sent a dog to carry the stake out there to him. He could have sent a goat. He could have sent a sheep. He could have sent another man. But here's the deal. If God would have sent a goat or a sheep or a man or a dog, Isabel would have been, uh, Isabel, oh my soul. I love my sweet Isabel. Jezebel, she's not a Jezebel, I promise you. Jezebel would have been able to track them. If a man went out there, she could have tracked that man. She could have said, y'all watch that guy right there. He's the one doing it. And when he goes, you go with him. You follow where he is, and then when you find him, you bring him back to me. But you can't track a bird. Can you imagine what it was like? They're standing on the porch, Jezebel and all her people. The famine is in the land. Famine everywhere. And all of a sudden, here come these birds flying over. And they got big old chunks of ribeye steak in their mouth. Now, let me tell you something. <clears throat> I don't believe it was a center portion of the ribeye. I think it was the good part. About half fat and half lean. <laughs> and that steak's dripping out of their beaks, and here they come flying over the palace. Jezebel says, there they go again. Nobody can track them. You can't track the birds. And then they drop that <laughs> T-bone steak right there in the middle of where Elijah was. How do you explain that, preacher? You just tell me, how do you explain that? I'll tell you how I explain it. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God is a miracle God. Uh, <laughs> You've got to get the fear and the anxiety, the doubt, the negativism out of your life because that comes from the devil. Don't sit here and tell me that fear doesn't come from the devil. It does. It comes from Satan. 
What we think is what we are. I got to hurry. Let me just give you the last thing here. Only two points. <laughs> this one's short. We've thought a little bit about the thought pattern. What goes in your mind settles in your heart, settles in your soul. When you begin to think on these things, that's what he said. Think on them. Think on them. What he said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, whatsoever things are lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. When you begin to think on those things, it leads to action. A word about action. You see, it's not enough to think right. You've got to live right. You've got to act on what we think. I've discovered this. You will never keep hold of a Bible truth unless you put that Bible truth to action. You can learn all the Bible truths you want to learn. They'll do you no good unless you put them to action in your life. You'll forget about them. You've got to not only think it, but then you must put it to action. Those things, look at verse 9, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Learned, received, heard, seen in me. Here's the promise, the God of peace. You say, preacher, I thought God was with us all the time. He is with us all the time, all the time. But sometimes we get so far away from God that it seems like God's way, way out there. But I'll tell you, when you put these things into your mind and they sift down into your heart, and you're thinking on these things that are true and noble and delight. That, that's Jesus. When you look at all of those things together, that's Jesus. I want to tell you, he's right there with you. Then the manifest presence of Jesus is with you. I, Becky and I loved, loved, loved. He was my mentor, Dr. Carlos McLeod. I know most of y'all never, I don't even know who he is. But, man, he was the uh, evangelism director for the state of Texas. And Carlos and Bonnie, they, they just were a sweet couple. Carlos would always say the same thing when he'd get up to preach. I, if he'd come back here today, he went in for a little simple surgery in Dallas. It was just simple. He ended up dying. If he came back here today, he'd stand in this pulpit and he'd say, Church, keep the main thing the main thing. Dr. W.A. Criswell. If he came back, keep the main thing the main thing. Adrian Rogers, Sonny Holland, Sam Cathy, Lester Roloff, Bill Stafford, all, every one of those guys have warned us in days past that if we don't keep the main thing the main thing, there'll come a day when we'll be so distracted that the main thing will not be the main thing. We're there, folk. I uh, heard about a lady that was a very lonely, her husband had died. She needed a companion. So she went down to the pet shop and she told the guy, I need somebody, a companion. I'm just lonesome. He said, oh, I'll go back and get you. Yeah, I'll bring it right back. He went back and got her a beautiful multicolored parrot. Beautiful. She said, yeah, but can he talk? Oh, yeah, he can talk. He's a real chatterbox. I mean, people come in here and they just talk about how many words this parrot knows. He's just a real chatterbox. She said, okay, I'll take you. So she got him in a cage, got the parrot in a cage, went home. She came back the next week and said, look, he ain't said a word. He said, did, did, you, did you get a mirror? She said, no. Oh, he said, you got to have a mirror. The parrot will look at himself in the mirror and think that somebody else is in there and he'll begin to talk. Okay, I'll buy a mirror. 
So she got the mirror. She went back home. The next week she came back. She said, look, he ain't said a word. Did you get a ladder? No. Well, you need a ladder. He'll see himself in the mirror and think somebody's in there, and then he'll start climbing up and down that ladder, and then he'll begin to talk. That'll limber him up. Third week she come back and said, he ain't said one word. Well, did you get a swing? No. He said, well, you need a swing. He, he looks at himself in the mirror, and he thinks somebody else is in there, and then he climbs up and down that ladder, and then he'll leap over into that swing, and he'll just begin to talk. That next week she came back in there. She was mad. She said, the bird is dead. He is dead. He's laying flat on a corpse on the bottom of that uh, 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 cage that I got. He is dead, D-E-A-D, dead. The owner, I, I can't believe, did he say anything? She said, yes. His last gasping for breath. He said, don't they sell food down there at that store? I want to wake you all up. There is a point to this. <laughs> Our problem is some of us are chasing mirrors and ladders and swings. And we've missed the most important thing. And that's Jesus Christ. The mirrors are not going to help you. Oh, they may help a night or two. The swings, they may calm you a day or two. But the only thing that's going to give you the peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. It says, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, there's two blessed truths I see here. The God of peace shall be with you. We uh, pastors today, we, uh, there's a new swing around. We're, we're investing in uh, diplomas and sheepskin and, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but there's something a whole lot better, and that's called peace. And our world has made many attempts to secure peace with all of their... I mean, we can go back to Lady Bird Johnson. The reason we don't have peace is because we haven't planted enough bushes and shrubs. We're going to plant a shrub on every highway. That's going to... Oh, that goes back. We're going to educate everybody. When we get everybody in one school and we get them all educated there, whew, we're going to have a utopia here on this earth. We've tried everything in the world there is. Oh, well, we need, everybody needs to own a car so we can, uh, everybody needs to own a house, everybody, and we go on and on, and none of those have brought peace. Then the second thing I see, you get the peace of God, but here's the deal, you get the presence of God. See, the, the God of peace shall be with you. Now, most of the world don't want this. They don't want this. That's why at graduation services, Many schools have said, don't bring God into here. You're not going to pray in here. When I, I, I don't want to be ugly. But if you don't want the presence of God, you don't get the peace of God. If you don't want God anywhere around you, if you don't want God influencing your children and your teenagers, then you don't get the peace of God. The peace of God comes when you have the presence of God. We're just starting a new year. I know it's uh, February, but really, we've just begun. I wonder this morning, just close your eyes for a moment. Think with me this morning. As we start out 2023, 
the things that you would like to receive. Even maybe think back of what you wanted. This is, Lord, this is what I'd like to see. This is what I want for 2023. How many of those things would be selfish materialism? Or how many of those things would be spiritual beliefs that would honor God? You see, I'm afraid we're so tied up in the world that we've forgotten we must honor God. The things that we long for, peace. Mm. I got a word from a pastor this morning. And he said, Brother Charles, remind people of this. Pass me not, O gentle Savior. Don't pass me. I'm asking you this morning, if you're here without Christ, if you would not let him pass you up, you come and receive Christ. Maybe this morning, though, I preach to mostly the church. And there's some things that just have you weighted down. There's some things that you just... Man, it eats your lunch. It's like you lay down in bed at night and all you can think about is that. And it's time that you came and said, God, I'm tired of worrying about all of this stuff. I want your peace. I want to think on you. I want to do it. Lord, help that to happen today. In Jesus' name. Stand with me as we have this invitation this morning. Come on, right now. These altars are open.